morning welcome to golden that buffalo right there it, it's the most it's one of the most photographed buffaloes in all the world i think because when i'm here on golden which is the second friday of every month been coming here for over four years now and uh that pic they, they must it must be two three hundred people take pictures of this and of that sign crazy i mean i guess that sign really has a lot of attraction to a lot of people, but uh, I came to Golden first time in 1977, 1977, when I came through here in my rig one time, and uh, in 77, I was, uh, September of 77, I bought my first truck, went trucking when I was 23 years old, and on one of the runs heading from east to west, uh, I decided to come through this little town, and I remember driving through here. And I think it was on a Thanksgiving, pretty sure, because it was really quiet. And, uh, you know, I trucked all the time. I don't have days off. I've worked all the time. That's why kind of weird now that uh, I'm still doing that. I'm still working all the time. I work Thanksgiving. I work Christmas. I work my birthdays. I work, I work all the time serving the Lord. Uh, that's just the way I've lived all my life. Most people don't live that way, but I do. And uh, a lot of it comes from my job. And it doesn't mean I don't respect those days, but... Uh, I just find myself working all the time. And I work until I can't work anymore and I take some time off. That's how I live my life. Uh, I just work until I can't work, until I'm unable. Like yesterday when I came home from Superior, I thought I was doing good, I thought I was pretty rested, but when I walked in the door, it's like I just physically collapsed from exhaustion. I don't know, I, I, you know, everything was going good and, uh, and then I, Tell you the truth, what happened yesterday at uh, 6 p.m., uh, I put my pajamas on and I went to bed. Yeah, and uh, didn't get out of bed till uh, uh, 5 o'clock this morning, 5.15, 5.15 this morning. Something like that, 5, 5.15 this morning. And uh, get ready for class and get ready to come to Golden. 
And uh, so on the bus, uh, I, the Lord quickened me to remember to bring my laptop with me in my day pack, my backpack thing. God bless you, Brian. And, uh, uh, and I was able to edit a good portion of the video or, you know, put it together, not edit it, but, you know, put it together uh, on the trip from Boulder to Golden. And uh, by the time we pulled into the city limits, I was putting everything away. I go, man, man, that was just perfect timing. And then I'll touch that up on the way back and then I'll put, start on this video here. Because I don't know if I get home, I'm going to do the same thing. As uh, uh, what I do on the street, so I do something a little different on the street. Let me talk about this for a second and then I'll get into my sermon. Uh, don't copy anybody. Copy it, Jesus. You know, do what Jesus has trained you to do, uh, has taught you to do, and has showed you what to do in the Word of God. We talked about that in class today. In fact, let me bring that up real quick. So class, uh, this is our, uh, we're doing classes on this True Study book uh, from the Word of God. The True Study, GEC is Gospel Evangelist Church. It's the church that I pastor in Boulder, Colorado, that God is having me build. And uh, it's a true study. It's not a Bible study. Uh, so it's not a Bible, this is not a Bible study. A lot of people seem to get that in mind. Uh, probably a couple dozen people have come to, to our class thinking we're doing a Bible study and they get mad. And I thought, you know, it's not a Bible study, you know. It's more of a uh, kind of 20 or 30 minutes of exhortation uh, and edification and comfort. Uh, that's 1 Corinthians 14. And uh, then we seem to move into, the, into this and my routine. So it's more like my uh, abbreviated format of my morning routine with the Lord seven days a week. And then uh, we go into this book, and this book has instructions in the beginning. The first several pages are instructions, and then we get into this logbook. So it's really more of a logbook uh, with two parts to it, uh, one part for God and one part for going out to preach. And uh, it's uh, built so you can work with the Holy Ghost and not work with me or work with anybody. It's just you and the Spirit of God, and it takes you through this in an amazing way. It becomes a very powerful book uh, when used properly. Uh, if you don't use it the way it's designed by God, uh, you may not get much out of this. If you lay this on your coffee table and just look at it, uh, maybe it'll inspire you to go do something, but it won't be of much use other than that. All right? So. Uh, this book is $9.27. Uh, that's just the printing cost. There's no profit involved. We're giving our profit away to help pay for your shipping, handling, and tax. And you can go to the book, the book patch, P A T C H dot com. And then you ignore the picture there on the front page. And then go to the top, there's a menu bar. Click on bookstore. When you go to the bookstore, you'll see a search bar. Just type in GC True Study, and you'll see the first four books there. Uh, we'll have eight books online. Right now we have four of them up there. That'll take us through the, a whole year and through a year of the New Testament. The idea with going through the New Testament is we go to, through it about three or four times at your pace, at your pace, all right? And then uh, books five, six, seven, and eight, we're gonna go through the entire Bible uh, from cover to cover and three or four times at a time. I mean, that's, we're, we're using all uh, parts of our body to immerse ourselves, to baptize ourselves, you could say, put ourselves solely and completely in the Word of God, and so that the Word of God will come up out of us as a spring of water. So we fill, us, fill the spring with water, and we prime the pump, and uh, the water comes out, and it's the Word of God. And we wash the people with the Word of God. All right, so that's the advertisement for that book. And uh, 
there's more to it, but we have 65 classes. Each book has uh, 65 lessons or 65 log books, logs, and uh, it's designed to, uh, the classes are designed more of an orientation, okay, an orientation. And, uh, uh, and it really uh, helps you to get started in the day. Uh, I think everyone should log on uh, at seven o'clock in the morning, but that's impossible, really, I know that. And, uh, but, uh, so, uh, Set some kind of a schedule, maybe. I don't know. Just pray to God and see what He wants you to do. Maybe you don't want everyone to come back. Maybe you just want to check me out one time. I've had dozens of people just check me out one time. They watch for 10 minutes go, I don't want this. You know, they go on. That's fine, I guess. I don't know. Uh, why'd you come here in the first place, right? Uh, I believe that when you come to places like this, the Lord led you here. I mean, why do you go to any ministry channel? It's because the Lord led you there. And so if the Lord led you there, uh, then you should get all of what the Lord wants to teach you. But so many times, uh, people aren't led by the Lord. They're led by their flesh. They're led by their curiosity. And so once their curiosity is satisfied, like right now, there's probably been a lot of people who've already clicked off the channel. That's why a lot of times I like to talk in the beginning because I want to get I want to get the curiosity seekers, the uh, you know the people who really aren't interested, out of here. And I want to talk to the serious people because the, the serious people to me are ministers. Let's pray. So, Lord, I thank you that we are serious about the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you've called us into your service. I thank you, Lord, that you've filled us with your spirit. You've given us the word of God. You've given us tools to do the ministry. And uh, we're waiting upon you to, to send us out. And so as we wait upon you, Lord, you train us, you get us ready, and you prepare us for, for what we're going to be doing in our calling. And like right now, you've already prepared me, and I'm out here on the street right now as I'm even saying this. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing me to uh, Golden, Colorado. And we give you all the glory and all the praise for what you're doing here. In your name, Jesus, we humbly pray. Amen. <clears throat> all right, so let's get into our uh, talk here. This is the November 5th Sunday prayer letter. We always preach from the Sunday prayer letter. We're not wondering what to preach on next. Uh, we have a program. Well, not a program, but we have a plan, you know, and uh, a purpose of what we're doing. We're not just floating around. I talk about that a lot because I see that in so many Christians. They just float around thinking that, uh, uh, I had one pastor say, he, he just hoped he, people bump into Jesus. You know, I mean, bump into Jesus. Well, Satan's gonna come in there and make sure nobody bumps into Jesus. You have to have a plan and a purpose to get Jesus in front of people, even though we, and that plan and purpose comes from Jesus, right? Because we work for Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, right? Who died on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. The Lamb of God, which take away the sin of the world, right? His name in Revelation 19:13 said, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word, right? That made everything. Jesus is the, the creator. <clears throat> a lot of people don't know that either. Be surprised what people don't know. They, what they do know is not right. A lot of people don't know the truth. All they know is what they've been taught, what they've been taught. We have an old, <laughs> there's a, this came to my mind, I think I'll say this, kind of funny to me. <clears throat> years and years ago, uh, I was listening to a, a speaker and he was uh, telling a story about uh, his wife, uh, uh, had this little uh, uh, pot, 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 you know, baking pot or cooking pot, and uh, that she would uh, would bake a ham, and she would cut a big chunk of the ham off and set it aside and put that smaller part in the pot, and then bake that. And one day the husband asked, "How come you always cut the ham in half and put it in the pot?" I says, "Well, that's what my mom did. That's how my mom cooked. 
And so eventually he was able to go to his, his uh, mother-in-law and ask, how come you cut the uh, ham in half to put in the pot? He says, well, it's because I, I did what my mom taught me. All right, so he goes back to, <laughs> to grandma and uh, says, grandma, why do you cut the ham in half? He said, oh, son, my pot was only eight inches. I had to cut it in half. My pot was only eight inches. Do you get it? <laughs> you see, people are taught things uh, that are passed on and passed on and passed on and passed on, and they don't know why they do it. They don't do any research. Uh, you know, they don't buy a bigger pot. You know, buy the pot that ma matches the size of the ham. I'm just giving that as a goofy example. I realize that, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, so that's why I tell people: don't listen to me. Don't listen to anybody. Stop listening to people. Turn, just turn a deaf ear to every single person and get off by yourself with God and just spend time with God for a little season. You know, Paul spent three years with God. He cut everybody out. I mean, I don't know how that worked out exactly, but he did spend three years in Arabia or thereabouts. And uh, it looks like we, we have no record of that. So we're just assuming or figuring out that he must have was trained by the Holy Spirit there, just like Jesus was it's the same thing everywhere. We spend time with God, not time with people. There is a time to spend with people, yes. You don't want to stay all by yourself forever. Too many people are floating around. Just like a lady, I, went, I stood where God told me to stand. He said, I want you to stand here. Uh, you're going to meet somebody. Go, all right, I'm going to meet somebody. So I'm looking around who I'm going to meet this morning as I was waiting for the bus. Uh, and uh, So I stand in there waiting, and, uh, and about Two minutes later, a lady walks up and uh, she saw my banner, saw me dressed this way, and she's from down south. And she said, do they, they do this up here? I thought they only did this. She's pointing to my banner. Uh, that thought they only did that down south. And uh, so she, I asked her if she was saved, and you know, talked to her and stuff, and uh, come to find out, uh, she has all this knowledge that is with, with, that's filled with a lot of corruption. And, uh, but she thinks that what she knows is an actual fact. I tried to show her, no, oh no, she wouldn't receive any instruction whatsoever. None, zero, 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 zero. She was convinced, she's convinced. And, uh, uh, but what she talked to me was wrong. Uh, she's a drunkard and there's no drunkards in heaven. And she says, it's okay, God doesn't mind me being drunk. Right, you know, it's eight o'clock in the morning. You know, why are you drunk? You know, why do you smoke? Why do you cuss? Why do you, why do you live a life of sin? It says, I don't do the, I don't fornicate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and everything else is okay. <laughs> That's what she said. She's about 60 years old. Living on the street, out of a backpack. She has a big suitcase. She lives, in, but now she's going to, a, she lives in the, in the uh, shelter. And 60, 61, 62, I'm early 60s, you know, gray hair, you know, and, uh, uh, she's excited. She says that God is moving her from the shelter to a motel for the month. So we're going to pay for her motel. You know, how about that? You know, very physically able, doesn't limp, very strong woman, and but we're going to pay for her way because she doesn't want to go to work. <clears throat> she lives off the state. She bums around, you know, but she knows everything about God. <clears throat> thought that was interesting. I, I really enjoyed that meeting with her. Really, that's how Christians live. I talked about that in class. That's, that's a typical Christian right there, not a minister. She thinks she's a minister, but she's not, you know. And I don't know what God's gonna do with her. I have no, no idea. 
you know, I know what the word says, and, but, you know, this is God's testimony, testament, not mine. It's God's will, not my will. And uh, so, I know I've read it, what it says, and uh, how he, I, I don't know, you know. Uh, uh, because there's a, she quoted a section of scripture that said, uh, there's only four things we're not supposed to do, she said. Uh, one of them is fornication, and I said, yeah, and the other one is, uh, you know, not to eat blood uh, and uh, idol, animals, offered to idols, and uh, strangled animals. And yeah, that's it right there. And uh, see, that, as long as I don't do that, I'm good. God doesn't care about everything else. Everything else is just fine, she said. Do you believe that? That's what most Christians believe. It's okay to smoke dope. It's okay to look at pornography. It's okay to sin. It's okay to lie. It's okay to cheat. It's okay to steal. It's okay to do everything you want to do. As long as you don't do those sort of things, is what they're saying. But that's not what I read. Is that what you read? So I don't know what God's going to do. I mean, I kind of know, but, you know, I know what the, I know what the Bible says. And uh, my thinking is this, uh, is that people like that are not going to hear when God says, uh, come, on the, when he, when he catches, our, catches us away. He's not going to hear it. They're going to go through tribulation. Uh, I believe the way I read in the scripture, the way I read it, not everybody reads it. Everybody reads it three different ways. One way, they think that God's going to catch his church away uh, before the tribulation begins. That's the pre-tribulation doctrine. And then there are Christians who believe that we're going to be raptured in the middle of the tribulation. And that's the mid-trib mid people. And then there are people who don't believe that and don't, don't believe the pre, don't believe the mid. They believe the post. They believe that after the tribulation, then they're going to be raptured cut away. So uh, I'm not in those two camps. I'm in the camp that I see. Uh, Jesus said, pray that your flight be not in winter. And that the next verse says, and the winter is affliction, which is tribulation, which is the horrible, terrible day of the Lord that comes to this earth. And uh, I pray and I believe that I believe what I pray because Mark 11:24 says, when you pray, believe that you receive. And if you ask for something, that can give you something different, right? So if I pray, continually, consistently, that my flight from earth to heaven will not be uh, during the tribulation or after the tribulation, be before winter, uh, uh, then I'll do that. Uh, the Lord will get me ready to go. You know, be ready to go. But this lady won't. God's talking about it. I guess, I don't know, but I'm, my thinking is this, that people like that, uh, God, they won't hear God because they're living in sin. And sin shuts you down. You can't have that, that koinonia, that, that communion with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is not going to be inside your sin. Sorry, not going to happen. That's why the Bible says two are in bed, one is taken. I, I almost think that that is uh, two people who should not be laying in the same bed. That's all, I can almost look at it that way in today's world. And you can look at it however you want. <clears throat> but uh, so my thinking is that the ladies, people like that, the Christians like that, will see the catching away. I guess I'm hoping then they will become evangelists through the tribulation period. They'll be uh, they'll be on fire because now they see that their way was wrong, and they'll ask God's forgiveness and cleansing, and they'll work through the tribulation. Their heads will be cut off. They'll die in tribulation. Yes, we know that, 
but uh, they might be pretty powerful because God's not going to leave the earth without a witness, not yet. That is much later. That's what, that's when everything is changed, right? So God's not going to leave us, the people on earth, without a witness, without somebody preaching the gospel, right? That's how I see it in the Bible, right? So uh, November 5th, Sunday prayer letter, let us not fight against God. Don't fight against God. That's what she was doing today. She was fighting against God. And she doesn't look, she didn't think she was fighting against God, but she was fighting against God. Because God said, don't do that. Jesus said, go and sin no more. I'm very clear, very distinct, black and white, go and sin no more. So if you don't know what uh, go means, you can look up the word go. Uh, and you can go and you can look up the word and so you got to understand with that and go and sin then you can look up the word sin what sin means no more look it up no and look it up more go and sin no more you know well you can look those words up so you know what the definition is i guess because apparently you don't know what sin means that's what this lady that god wanted me to meet today she doesn't know what sin is she doesn't classify any of the stuff that she's doing as sin none of it except those four items You see how you can take scripture out of context, how take a scripture out and then build a doctrine around that scripture, throw the Bible away and just take that one verse. She lives by that one verse. That verse was, um, she really knew, uh, that's how she lived, that one verse. Not the Bible, not all the counsel, just that one verse. So she makes sure that she doesn't do those four things, right? I don't know, right? So, uh, Sunday prayer letter, uh, Acts 23, and we're in the signs, wonders, miracles, praise, and worship season right now. And this is part six, Friday. And that's Acts 23, verse 31 to 33. And also, uh, we're going to do part seven for Saturday tomorrow. I don't preach on Saturday. It's my Sabbath, my rest in the Lord. Very important day for me. Very, very important. Very critical day for me. I struggle with that a lot sometimes because uh, I sometimes want to travel on Saturdays to go someplace to preach on Sunday, but I can't do that. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Acts 23, we're gonna do 31 through 35, right? 35, 31 to 35. <clears throat> so these uh, people here in the Buffalo Rose next to me, they just turned their music on. And uh, she w saw me out the window there and uh, they know me. And, uh, but when people who don't know me, now the people who just came today in this restaurant next to me, this Buffalo Rose Cafe, they all sit outside here. Uh, when they know me, they keep the music down low and they'll turn it up after I'm done, they'll turn the music up. It's kind of what's been happening. But when people don't know me, because you know, restaurant personnel, big turnover. So somebody new comes in and then they see me and they crank the music up really loud. Yeah, really loud. That's what happens in Denver. You know, in Denver, when somebody, when the first guy who comes, they turn the music on, they're told to turn the music on, and if they know me and they're a Christian, they keep the music low until I finish my sermon. But like yet last Friday, the last two Fridays, people have come that didn't know me. You see that? It's kind of interesting. They hate God, and they do whatever they can to disrupt the Spirit of God. Why? Because they're deceived, that's why. Okay, verse 31. This is going to be a short talk here. Uh, the title of our message here is uh, Deliver the Epistle, or rather, Deliver the Letter. Deliver the Letter. God bless you, sir. Thank you. Deliver the Letter. Deliver the Letter. 
supposed to be a high of 50 degrees, and the air temperature feels like about 20, and the sun feels like about 90. <laughs> so uh, I guess they average it out. <laughs> How hot does the sun feel, and what does the air temp feel like? <laughs> oh, it looks like about 50. <laughs> it's crazy. We got snow in the mountains right there. Snow, it's so cold that the snow can't melt. So that snow will be there probably all winter, unless it, no snow up there because the sun is beating up there. But here we have all snow. I'm right by the mountains here. One, two, two blocks from the mountains. They just go straight up from there. All right, so verse 31. Then the soldiers, as it was commanded them, took Paul, <clears throat> let me read the whole, through the whole thing. Took Paul and brought him by night to Antipatrius. And on the morrow, they left the horsemen to go with him and returned to the castle. Verse 33. Who, when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle to the governor, presented Paul also before him. And when the governor had read the letter, he asked of what province he was. And when he understood that he was from Cilicia, I will hear thee, said, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accusers when thine accusers are also come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. All right, thank you, Lord. The reading of your word, hallelujah. Short little piece there. And uh, <clears throat> so the previous verses here from 26 to 30 is the actual letter that uh, this uh, Claudius wrote to Felix, the governor of Caesarea, all right? That, that captured Paul for, before Paul was ripped apart and uh, pulled him out of that and then wanted to get him out of town and send him over to Felix there in Caesarea. And uh, uh, Claudius put a bunch of army together and really a lot of soldiers and a really big crew to take them the third hour of the night up to uh, Caesarea. And, uh, and then he wrote this wonderful letter here. I don't know why, I said yesterday, I don't know why God put this letter in the in the Bible really interesting how God did that and why did he do it well maybe that's a question we can ask him when we get there because <laughs> uh, I don't know but let's go to 31 this is the verse right after the letter the letter is finished off by farewell but 31 says then the soldiers as it was commanded them so we're so, we're also soldiers so we also work for a high command and when the Chief High Command, Jesus Christ, tells us what we're to do as soldiers, we have to obey, right? And the soldiers, as it was commanded them. So that's how we live. We live by the commandments of Jesus Christ. And we do it by love, by faith, not by sight, not by hatred, not by duty, not by works, it's all by faith. And in the peace of God, peace of God, right? And uh, that's, why, that's why I love the verse that Jesus says, if you love me, Jesus speaking, if you love me, keep my commandments. Commandments, it says right here. And the soldiers, uh, then the soldiers, as it was commanded them, right? That's, that's, you know, I'm told to come to Golden today. God put this in my calendar. I'm scheduled to be here. I'm here, right? <clears throat> here, uh, when the health crisis happened, uh, they, ended the bus service to Golden, from, from Boulder to Golden. They ended the bus service because I was riding the bus every day or every month, you know, for probably a year, year and a half, whatever it was. And uh, I told God, I said, God, I said, God, 
I guess I, I'm not supposed to go to Golden now because there's no way for me to get to Golden. I don't, because I don't drive anymore. I'm not going to hitchhike. Uh, the Lord doesn't want me to do that. And uh, he said to me, find another way. Now, doesn't that sound like, I mean, he, I said, did I hear what you said, Lord? He said, find another, yes, find another way. Wow, find another way. Okay, find another way. Now, that sounds like a commandment to me, right? So well, I love Jesus, and am I going to find another way? Or I'm saying, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. There's no other way. No, I did my research, and I looked around, I looked around, I looked around, trying to figure things out, to ask people, call RT, you know, just trying to put my trip together, trying to figure out how do I get to Golden. And uh, so what ended up is I had to take the Boulder uh, coach from Boulder to Denver, the coach. And then at Union Station, I had to catch the train, the W, all the way out to Oak Station. Right? And then from Oak Station, I had to wait out there and catch the city bus, 16, into Golden. So from my door to this corner was two and one half hours, not 45 minutes or 50 minutes, whatever it is, to get less than an hour to get to Golden. And then it was two and a half hours all the way back. Just the travel alone was five hours. And I did that for two and a half years. I found another way. And God blessed it. Those two and a half hours oftentimes felt like 20 minutes. It felt like no time at all. And I got a chance to witness to tons and tons and tons of people. I got a chance to be a light in a dark world. It was wonderful for two and a half years. But I was really grateful that on September 1st, uh, they started back up the Golden uh, Coach bus service to Golden here. And that's what I said to the bus driver when I walked in. I praise God for this bus, sir. Uh, this is a miracle to me uh, because I used to do the two and a half hour run. And he says, yeah, I know. And, uh, and he said, let's get going. <laughs> and uh, I told him, God bless you when I got off the bus. He said, you too, man. Have a great day out there. Wow. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Find another way. That's what he said. So I found another way. That's why I'm talking about, yes, in class, don't get yourself in a rut of doing the same thing all the time. Because when you do the same thing all the time, all the time, all the time, uh, you kind of shut yourself down, you shut creativity down, you shut opportunities down, you shut things down so you can stay in your little rut. And before you know it, you're protecting that little rut that you're in. Yeah. And when gun comes along and says, hey, I want you to go over here. Oh, no, I can't do that. I can only do this. I could have said that to God. Find another way. No, I don't do that, God. I only go on, on the Boulder coach, the Golden, Boulder, Golden coach. But I, didn't, I, don't, I don't live in a rut. I, I just don't. You know, my rut is massive. <laughs> you know, my, mat, my, my rut is massive. You know, a lot of people drive from their house to their job and back, and maybe it's two or three miles there and two or three miles back or whatever it is. But my rut was 600 miles to work and 600 miles back. So in a 600-mile run to work, because I'd best from Reading to Seattle, and I would deliver my produce in Seattle, and then I, I would pick up all my apples, and I would drive 600 miles back. You know, 12 to 1500 mile route. And I did that in 48 hours, 50 hour run. Twice a week. <laughs> Worked hard, man. Still working hard. Yeah. Praise God. And then the soldiers, as commanded them, took Paul and brought him by night, by night. Remember? But you go up here to the third hour of the night, right there. So they, they did exactly what they were commanded to do. They didn't leave in the morning. Oh, I don't want to leave at night, God. I'm going to leave in the morning. That's not what God said. God said, take the night train. 
night train. I don't know why. <laughs> Take the night shift. You're the night shift. You know, I don't work at night anymore. You know, I work during the day. I said, Lord, I'll work at night. No, I don't want you to work at night. I want to be, you know, I've worked all every night all my life. I've always been a, a night worker. I've never been a day worker. Never started work at eight or nine in the morning and get off at three, four or five in the afternoon. I've never, that's never been my life ever since I was probably 15 years old. So 50 years of working nights, because I retired at 63. And I just, I asked the Lord uh, about that. And uh, he said, no, you're just gonna work during the day. That's why I work during the day. That's why I'm off at four o'clock. I'll catch the 416 back home. Yeah, I'm off work. I mean, not really, because I still got a couple hours work to go home, but I'm home. I'm not on the road. I'm not preaching. Other preachers, other people, they work at night. They do something during the day. Then when the sun begins to set, they're getting ready to go to work. I listen to Brian Cranford. That's what he does. He works at night in the ministry. You know, he works from sundown till midnight, one, two, three in the morning sometimes, you know, but that's his, that's his calling. You know, he's faithful to that calling. He doesn't work during the day. I mean, he does obviously, but uh, primarily he works uh, the night crew. He's a night shift worker for God, <laughs> you know? So I get off at four or five and night shift comes on somewhere, you know? They get off and I come back to work, you know? It's kind of how, so we're preaching 24 hours a day. You know, it's pretty cool how God is. I mean, one of these days, I'm hoping that in our ministry here, uh, God will bring on a night shift. I'm really hoping for that one day. People get off work and at five o'clock, when I get off work, they start preaching. They preach from five to eight or nine o'clock, 10 o'clock or whatever. And then somebody else takes over and they preach through the night, you know, different places. I don't know, it's just a thought, but it's really a desire of mine. <clears throat> and uh, so right now, you know, I'm connected to Brian and uh, we, you know, and uh, so, my shift ends, his shift begins, you know, and Kevin up there, Rochester, you know, he works night times a lot. He works during the day, but he also kind of works a late afternoon, evening shift, you know? So he takes over when I, when I end, he starts to too. That's the way it is, right? And uh, it's pretty amazing how God orchestrates his soldiers from command headquarters, <laughs> heaven, <laughs> you know? So you want to obey the boss. You, yes, you know, you just really want to do that, right? At night, and the, tomorrow they left the horsemen to go with them and uh, return to the castle. Verse 33, who when, give, who when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle. Now, epistle, a lot of people don't know what epistle means, but if you go up a little bit, it says Felix wrote a letter. And then the next time he mentions that letter, he calls it an epistle. Then. A few lines later, he calls the epistle a letter. So he calls it a letter. Later, he calls it an epistle. Later, he calls it a letter. Why did he call it an epistle? Because a lot of these are called epistles. A lot of these are called epistles. Yeah, right here. So it says here, the, the epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Ephesians. What does epistle mean? Now we know that epistle means letter. I mean, we obviously know that, but other Bibles don't have that. Epistle, when you say the word epistle, E-P-I-S-T-L-E, when you say that word, the first thought that typically would come to anybody's mind is the Bible. Did you get it? When you use words that point people away from the Bible to someplace else, that's bad. What's good 
is to use a word that's in the Bible that points back to the Bible. So letter doesn't point to the Bible. You say, I, I'm gonna preach on a letter. I'm gonna talk on a letter. I'm gonna deliver a letter or whatever case. Uh, it could be a happy birthday letter. It could be a Dear John letter. <laughs> I don't know, you know? <laughs> and uh, that's what it is. Because it doesn't point back to the Bible. You want point, use words that point back to the Bible. When you use words that are not in the Bible, then you pull people away from the Word of God. Help you get that. Now you can take words and kind of mix them in with other words. And, you know, there's a lot of things, but just be alert to that, okay? Uh, a lot of people don't think about that, but everything I do, every word that you speak is a tool. It's a seed that we can sow. And what is the purpose of sowing that seed? So people can hear the Word of God. And why do they want to hear the Word of God? So they'll believe it. So when they believe it, they'll be saved, right? It's kind of that progression. So that's what you want to use. So that's why we use the word epistle, not just letter. That's why. If you, if you want to receive that, if you don't want to receive that, that's fine, whatever you want to do. <clears throat> right? Who when they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle to the governor. So they did exactly what they were commanded to do. Take this guy, go to Caesarea, to Felix, and deliver this letter to him. Yes, sir. Count it done. What did the centurion tell, tell Jesus? Don't come to my house. I'm not worthy to have you come to my house. Just speak the word, because I'm a man under authority. When I say do, somebody does it. I give word, I'm under the word. Speak the word, right? You want to speak the word. They delivered the epistle to the governor presented, and presented Paul before him, verse 34. And when the governor had read the letter, the letter, right? The letter. So now the epistle is the letter, right? The letter. He asked of what? See that? You see what's going on here? The King James Bible, the Word of God, the truth defines the truth. The truth uses the truth. The truth works with the truth. The truth points back to the truth. The, the truth is a record of the truth. The truth is, bears witness of the truth. So when you speak a lie, a lie doesn't speak of the truth. When you speak of another thing that doesn't point back to the truth, then what are you doing? You're pointing back to the lie. See, that's what messed up in the Garden of Eden, you know? What messed up in the Garden of Eden is Satan, the serpent, the most subtle creature there ever was. Uh, he convinced Eve that the words that you have from God are not true. And there, therefore, I have to tell you the truth because what you know is not the truth. So I'm gonna tell you the real truth. And he told her the truth. And she believed that lie. Even though he called it the truth. Not, you know, have to kind of look at the whole context there. And uh, so she believed a lie. And because she believed a lie, sin came in the way. And then Adam joined in agreement. And we're to come together and agree about everything, anything, to touch anything, let it be established. What happens if Adam didn't agree with Eve? Things would have been different maybe. You know? But God knew that that's what was gonna happen. That's why he already prepared his son at the foundation of the world. <clears throat> God already knew it. It wasn't a, a shock. Oh. Now what do I do? God doesn't work that way. God always was, always is, always will be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He always was. He's not created. 
He is the creator. No one created him. He doesn't have a beginning, doesn't have a middle, he doesn't have an end. Right. We do. All of creation has a beginning. All of creation has a beginning. God is not his creation. God is outside of his creation. The artist is outside of his painting. The oil painting, the oil painting artist is outside of his painting. He's not inside of his painting. He's outside looking at his creation. You know, the inventor is not inside his invention. He's outside his invention. You know, the designer is outside his design. Now the design is a part of him because it came out of him, right? His, God's creation is a part of him because he created it, but he is not in his creation. He is not his creation, right? <laughs> a little bit of wisdom there, a little bit of uh, head scratching there, huh? Get you thinking about different things there. All these little bits and pieces, many times, almost every sermon of every priest uh, always has different things that I've never said before, never said before. A lot of sermons have a lot of things I've said before, but there are bits and pieces throughout every sermon that I've ever preached, I think, that has things that I've never said before. How can I say things that I've never said before when I've been preaching for this long a time? And I've been only been preaching out of this one book. How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, because I spend time with God. I spend time with God. So that is a fruit. Now you can look at me and say, oh, well, look at the fruit of John. We can see that he has fresh knowledge. He has fresh uh, word, a fresh word of wisdom, a fresh word of wisdom, knowledge. Uh, he speaks the word of truth. We see that's fruit that hangs on my tree. I'm a tree of righteousness, right? That's what the Bible calls us. We're trees of righteousness. The fruit on the tree of righteousness or whatever, tree of life. Our fruit, I'm a Hebrew, you know, Proverbs 1130, right? And also you probably have to Listen real closely because I kind of stumble around on my words a lot. I'm not a teacher. I'm just a street minister, just a guy who works on the street, have all my life, but only in the trucking business, not out here on the street corner. This only happened four and a half years ago. And uh, so I'm brand new. There's a lot of guys who have been doing this for years and years and decades, and I'm nowhere like them. Uh, I'm just brand new out here. But uh, I'm catching up because <laughs> I'm putting the hours in. <laughs> I'm running like crazy. I'm going to catch up to somebody. I don't know when. Maybe I won't, but uh, I'm going to keep on running till I get lifted off to heaven. All right. Uh, yeah, when the governor had read the letter, he asked to what province he was. You know, where are you from? Don't we ask that? It's a good question. Where are you from? No. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? What city were you born in? What state were you born in? I say, what state were you born in? Now, these are icebreakers. You want to come up with things that break the ice, you know, instead of just saying, are you saved? You know, now I can do that because I'm dressed like this. My uniform, my soldier uniform, my military uniform here <laughs> uh, is, uh, what does it say on the back? Yeah, I'm ready to go to work. What does it say up here? Trust Jesus? Yeah, I'm ready to go. My Bible, both sides, my banner, everything I do. You know, so I'm ready for work. So I don't have to, you know, I don't have to do much icebreaking, a little bit maybe, but my presence, like when I talked to the guy on the, down over here, when I was taking some photographs for the video here, I, uh, I was able to say good morning and God bless you right off the bat. to talk to him immediately about the Lord because he sees what I look like. <laughs> 
That's why I ask people, you know, you should have some kind of a banner. You should maybe a pin or a hat or a shirt or something that says, you know, that you belong to Jesus. Right? It could be an, that could be an icebreaker. When somebody looks at you, sees your hat, your shirt, let's say you have a pin that says Jesus on it, big block letters, Jesus, or trust Jesus, and, or, or something like that, you can strike up a conversation, you know? So somebody new must just came on because it cranked up the music a little bit. All right, so let's get started here. Finish. When he, uh, let's say, and when the governor read the letter, he asked what province he was from, so that's the icebreaker. And when he understood that he was from Cilicia, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accusers are also come. So he's going to wait for all the people who, who are accusing him. That's going to be interesting. And he commanded him to keep in Herod's judgment hall. So, enter a judgment hall. Doesn't say prison, doesn't say dungeon, but a judgment hall. That's interesting, huh? Don't know what a judgment hall is. Not important to our salvation. But, you know, if you want to look it up, that's cool. Not in, no interest to me, but it just says judgment hall. Take it for what it's worth. So, that's, verse, that's chapter 23, and um, we're going to move into 24 come uh, Sunday, and we'll preach on 24 always. So we'll preach on 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, and we'll end up, we'll go through all chapters of the book of Acts, which we started on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came. We started on that day, Sunday, uh, day 50, uh, in chapter 1 of Acts, and we've been doing that all the way through. And that started then. And we've been in the theme, though, since the 1st of January, the first week of January, uh, called Signs, Wonders, Miracles, Praise, Worship. And we're moving into a new theme come uh, after this. And then we're moving into a new section of scriptures come uh, after Acts. We'll be moving into a new area. Uh, the Holy Ghost has already been layering it in me, I guess, somehow, uh, of what he wants me to talk on. I don't know the specifics or the details, but uh, I do know the theme and the season, the, the, that kind of thing. All right, so let's pray. So Lord, I thank you that we can come to this noisy street. Uh, we can come to the city of Golden. We can stand here with loud music, blaring our ear. We've got earplugs that we can put in. And uh, we got some hot coffee in our bag. We're gonna have an enjoyable day. We're gonna have a peaceful day. And we're gonna witness to a couple, two or 3,000 people out here today. And uh, we're gonna be a light in the dark world. And uh, our light will shine brightly because we're a city set on a hill, and this is on a hill here. And I thank you, Lord, for bringing me to 12th and Washington. 12th and Washington. What a great 12th and Washington. Kind of very prophetic there, 12th and Washington. I think that's pretty cool. President Washington and 12 uh, apostles. I think that's pretty cool. And, uh, and I'm right here. And Buffalo. Huh. Hallelujah. In your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. That's it. So God bless you. Have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you on uh, uh, Sunday. I guess, or maybe Saturday when I do the Sunday prayer letter, and uh, and Sunday I'll be preaching at 28th and 28th and Pearl. All right. Take care. God bless you. I love you.